When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Kendra Winchester, and this is Reading Women, a podcast inviting you to reclaim the bookshelf and read the world. Today, I'm talking to Pik Xuan Feng about her debut novel, Ghost Forest, which is out now from One World Books. You can find a complete transcript of our conversation over on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. So I am so thrilled to be able to talk to Pik Xuan Feng today. I was so excited about her book because Kaming Chang told me about it uh, back last fall. And so I've had it written down on my uh, list of possible interviews for a long time now. So I was so excited when she agreed to cover the podcast and we were able to have this wonderful conversation. One of the things that really struck me about uh, Feng's book was that she was able to capture this vignette style in her performance on the audiobook. As many of you know, I listen to audiobooks uh, to be able to read, and so I loved the narration on this book. And I was like, wait, I thought the author read this book. This sounds very much like a professional narrator. And it was, in fact, the author herself. She did a fabulous job, and we talk about that a lot in the interview because I was so just delighted by the way that she was able to add so much to the book with her performance without being overbearing. And finding that balance is really difficult, particularly if you've never narrated an audiobook before. So uh, it's such a fabulous book. So we talk a lot about the book and how she wrote it and that process in the interview. So I don't want to keep spoiling that. Uh, but before we jump into my conversation with Pik Xuan Feng, um, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She is a Canadian writer and artist living in New York City. She is the recipient of fellowships and residencies from the Asian American Writers Workshop, Kundiman and Malay Colony, and Story Knife. Her debut novel, Ghost Forest, is out now from One World in the U.S. and Strange Light in Canada. So without further ado, here is my conversation with debut author Pik Xuan Feng. Welcome to the podcast, Pikshwen. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I remember when Kaming Chang told me about your book last year, and 
from her description, I knew I had to talk to you about Ghost Forest. But first, how are you doing? How are you doing getting ready for your book's debut? I believe it's next week as of this recording. Hmm. First of all, I am so touched to hear that because I am Kaming's biggest fan. <laughs> so it's so <laughs> nice to hear that she also enjoyed my book. I think I'm having lots of different feelings now since it's one week out. It feels surreal. It feels like this is what I waited for for six years and now it's finally happening. But because it's my first book, I'm also constantly wondering, like, am I doing this correctly? What is supposed to happen next? There's just so much uncertainty and so much excitement at the same time. Yeah, I can only imagine what it's like to put your heart and soul into a book for so long and then just present it to the world for like judgment, essentially. But based on everyone talking about your book before it has launched, um, it sounds like you're getting some great feedback, some great reviews on it. And um, since this is, this is your debut, I have to ask like how this book kind of came into being. Uh, You mentioned you've been working on it for six years. Uh, So what was that process like for you? My background is actually in visual art. So I painted for many years. I studied painting in undergrad, and I also went to grad school for visual art. But when I got to grad school, I started to question for the first time in my life why I was only painting and I wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life I was asking myself you know what kind of art did I want to make why was I making art what's my voice what kind of artist do I want to become in the long term so I started experimenting with a lot of different mediums and I tried soft sculpture. I took this elective in the soft sculpture department and I realized I didn't really enjoy working with my hands. Like we were doing weaving and we were doing like sewing objects and I realized that wasn't for me. And then I started making some videos that I learned from watching YouTube videos And then in the summer between my first and second year, my dad passed away and I was in this space of grief, which was kind of hazy. And I was also reading Alice Munro's short stories. And one day I felt inspired to write something down. So I wrote um, out one of the vignettes that ended up being in the book and Because I was in art school, I needed to figure out a way to show it visually. So I recorded myself reading the vignette out loud. And then I used that as voiceover for a video piece. But over time, I realized that I really just wanted to focus on the writing because that's what I enjoyed most. So I wrote more and more vignettes and eventually it accumulated into this book. I love hearing when artists move from one discipline to another because I feel like they bring a lot of that understanding to their work. You mentioned it took six years to write it. 
Was that a process of trying to refine the vignettes to the ones that you wanted to use to create the whole narrative? What were some of the challenges that you worked on as you were figuring out what this novel was going to look like? Mm, There were so many challenges. I really had no idea what I was getting myself into. I think that in the beginning, it was really driven by my creative impulses and intuition. And I completed an earlier, shorter version of the manuscript back in 2016 or so. And I ended up sending this manuscript to tons of small presses and it got rejected by all of them. I ended up looking at what other books written vignette, written in vignettes were published out there. And I saw that a lot of them had this faster paced, shorter vignettes linked by asterisk type of format. So there was a period when I rewrote my whole book in this format. I spent some time trying to write it as a more traditional, structured novel. But I was really bad at that. Also, I started another project, which I began interviewing my mother and grandmother about some of their stories. Then finally, I got accepted by the Asian American Writers Workshop for the Margins Fellowship. And at this point, I kind of reached this mentality of like, oh, maybe my book won't ever get published. But The fellowship was so supportive and so encouraging. I decided to give the book one more shot. So I combined the earlier manuscript I had and these oral histories that I had recorded with my mother and grandmother, but I fictionalized them a lot and I merged them into one book. And I also met my editor Nicole Counts in a class that I took at the workshop and she really liked my writing and and um, she eventually bought the book. So after the book was bought by One World, how long did it take for your manuscript to go from this stage to the more finished product that is about to be released into the world now? Hmm. I would say the editing process took about eight months, seven or eight months. It was actually in the editing process that I decided to revert the structure back to what it was when I had started, which is each vignette sits on its own page surrounded by a lot of empty space and I realized during the edits that I wanted to have this slow and spacious quality. So this was my chance to publish it in the way that I wanted, which is having each vignette have its own page. Well, I really love fragmented stories like this. And it creates a a mosaic together uh, until you see the complete picture, which is something I always love experiencing when reading a book like this. Uh, You talked about Alice Munro and 
her short stories. I adore Alice Monroe. She does such a an amazing job at telling incredible stories in such a short space. Well, I guess for you, what you for each vignette, was that a long process of polishing them up to their most pristine stage? And were there a lot of vignettes that ended up on the cutting room floor, as it were? Yeah, it's been quite a varied process. Some of the vignettes I wrote from the first sentence to the last in one sitting years ago and have barely changed even in the book that's getting published soon. But some of them I definitely spent a lot of time refining and thinking about whether a certain word should go before or after another word and what's the best word. Most of that happened in the editing process, which I actually found really satisfying to be able to think about each word intentionally. And there were definitely lots of vignettes that did not end up making it into the book. Uh, you mentioned how you were doing this oral history project with your mother and grandmother and how that informed the final version of the book. And I love hearing that because that's something that I wrote down about the book that I wanted to chat with you about, the way that the women in the novel tell stories to each other and how they interpret their own pasts and their presence. And that's a continuous discussion throughout the entire book, even until the end of the novel. What about this kind of storytelling captivated you? And I guess what really struck you that it would be a good way to incorporate, um, it would be a good thing to incorporate into your novel? I was really interested in this collective form of storytelling because I feel like in my experience of Chinese families, there's so much focus on the family and not very much focus on the individual members of the family. So instead of having the narrator convey all of her mother's and grandmother's stories to the reader, I wanted to give the mother and grandmother characters a chance to speak for themselves. Also because I feel like with a lot of women, especially Chinese women in older generations, they're often erased from the narratives or, or silenced. And I just wanted a chance to give these characters to tell their own stories and share the things that they wanted to share and have them be humorous and intelligent and boast about things that happened in their past and joyful. Yeah, I just wanted to capture these other qualities that they have. I remember talking with uh, Kaming Chang about this very thing about her debut novel, V-Siri, and how that was something that she was thinking about as well. And she talked about Maxine Hong Kingston and different inspirations for her. Is that something that you took from your own life as well as from the literature that you had read before writing the book? Yeah, I took a lot from my own experience growing up hearing stories in my family, the way that 
women in my family would share stories in the past in kind of an indirect way and also communicate through these like opaque proverbs that I would not understand growing up. And I've also done as a smaller side project years ago, I interviewed six Asian Canadians and Asian Americans about whether they'd ever said I love you to their parents. And I ended up editing those sound recordings that I made into a short audio piece and oral history. And I really enjoyed that experience of listening and also being able to kind of put together a a type of arc through all these different voices. So that experience was really a big influence on the way that I wrote this book too. There's this incredibly beautiful moment in the book where the narrator is discussing saying I love you to her parents and like her family, whether or not they say I love you to each other. And that really kind of encapsulated this whirlwind of feelings she was having and as she had a very sick family member in the hospital. And this book really becomes a portrait of grief and what that looks like. For me, this was one of the my most favorite parts of the book because it was such a beautiful experience. And with the different vignettes, it's almost like you're putting together this picture and I could visualize it in my mind. And I'm not sure if this is just the kind of reader I am that I like to imagine structure in my head as I'm reading a book. But all of this really worked together in this single moment when she's having this discussion, you know, internally, but also talking to her family about it. And it was just, I don't really have any words. It was a very beautiful moment in the book. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I think for that scene, I really wanted to capture this experience of growing up in a family that lives in two countries at the same time. Because a lot of times when, you know, families immigrate together, each member experiences adapting to the new culture and the the new um, customs. But for these astronaut families, one member, usually the father, stays behind. In this case of the novel, um, the father stays in Hong Kong. And so he never really spends enough time in Canada to have to adapt to this Canadian way of expressing affection or even he never even um, has to see what it's like for the rest of his family just as the rest of his family doesn't see what it's like for him to live alone in Hong Kong and provide for them. So in this scene that you're describing, um, in which the narrator decides to say I love you to her father for the first time, I just wanted to capture this this inner conflict and also kind of the the humor of this situation where a 26 year old woman is trying so hard 
to say I love you for the first time to her father and just hoping to hear it said back to her. You capture this in-between space that the narrator inhabits having, you know, one parent in one country and her mother um, in Canada and how she's also moving back and forth between spaces a lot, which is really interesting to read that process. And it's almost like she cannot settle in herself and an understanding of herself. And that's illustrated in that physical movement. And so when she goes back when her dad is in the hospital and there's like this whole process of, of his condition, it's really illustrated through her like physicality as well which is something that it just struck me reading over and over in these little vignettes, like her feelings. And sometimes you'll tackle the same topic or theme in a vignette, but you'll look at it from a different perspective. And I found that very engaging and just, yeah, I I really love vignette kind of novels because this is one of their strengths and that they can look at things from multiple perspectives in this way, like a prism or something like that. Mm, Thank you so much. I think that besides, yeah, the structure of the vignette allowing for me to look at the novel from different angles, also the fact that I started writing it in 2014, this very long process allowed me to look at each part of the novel from different angles. And I spent so much time printing out the manuscript on tiny pieces of paper and rearranging it on my floor so many times just to see what it could look like and what the difference would be if the order was slightly one way or another. So yeah, I'm really happy to hear that you had that experience. I'm a huge structure nerd with books, and I love hearing that you printed out your uh, book on pieces of paper and move them around because that's whenever I'm working on a big writing project. That's what I do is I take giant chunks of it and I'll physically move them around, whether that's like a point on a you know index card or printing them completely out like that. And I really love the way that your book has that that structure with the short text and the novel itself is uh, sh- pretty short as well. I don't know what it is in print, but it's about four to five hours on audio. I, I listened to it and, and um, I was about to say two sit downs, but you don't really sit down when you're listening to an audiobook. <laughs> uh, I listened to it like over the course of two days and I really love getting that bird's eye view of the structure. And the second time I go through, I want to look at the page and see that white space um, because it sounds like that plays such a big role in how you envisioned your novel turning out. Yeah, originally when I started writing these vignettes, because I was in art school and recording the vignettes as voiceover, I wasn't showing the pages to anyone, but probably because of my background as a painter, I just wanted it to look nice on the page for myself. And I really liked having each one 
on its own page with lots of space around it. So that's how I ended up structuring the layout of the novel. And even though it it was a sort of artistic impulse in the beginning, I think that on hindsight, it works really well because I also wanted to write a book that feels slow and spacious, even though it's a book about grief. I think that sometimes we have this idea that artworks about grief are, are heavy or or dense and somber. And I also wanted to write a book about grief that feels light and airy and and joyful at times too. And that's something that listening to the audiobook that I definitely gathered um, from you reading it. And I love that you perform the audiobook and you are excellent. I want to put in a petition for you to narrate more audiobooks because I enjoyed it so much. Uh, for you, since you were very much visual when working on your book, what was it like reading the audiobook out loud? And did that change how you saw your novel? It was an amazing experience. Very, very intense, but incredibly amazing. I knew that I wanted to narrate the audiobook from the beginning, but I wasn't sure if I would get the opportunity. So I remember sending one of my my video works from grad school to the producer. And I was so excited when he wrote back and said, yes, looking forward to hearing your rendition of it. And I didn't know what to expect. I knew that it was going to be quite demanding because the recording day is from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and mine, because it's a shorter audiobook, it took about two days. So I went to the studio, and because it's the pandemic, the director and the audio engineer Skyped in and gave me direction from my headphones. And it was just this incredible experience to work with them because I was able to share what I envisioned for the audiobook as something that gives a lot of space to the listener. And then the director gave me the perfect kind of direction. She, you know, she would say something like, okay, I just want you to distinguish this line and the next line but she wouldn't specify exactly how. So it, there was so much room for me to interpret as well. So in the end, even though it was so physically demanding to sit there from 10 to five for two days reading my book aloud, it felt like I brought this work alive in a totally different way yeah, I'm, I'm just going to cherish that memory forever. Yeah, and you also have a finished product, so you can go back and listen to it. Uh, I know a lot of people have feelings about listening to themselves, <laughs> but uh, you, sound, you sound fabulous. You sound like you've 
you know, done this before. And I actually had to double check to see, I was like, wait, did they hire someone? Like, I thought this was read by the author and I was just <laughs> so delighted by it. So yeah, I hope. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I am so delighted to hear this because I don't think I'll be able to handle listening to myself for four and a half hours, but <laughs> I will take your word for it. And I'm so pleased to hear that it turned out well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really loved the added emotion that you brought to it because while for me as someone who primarily listens um, to literature rather than reading it on a page, there's so much added meaning via the narrator and that can introduce ideas that you like or you don't like. There's just so much added nuance to that. And when an author reads their work, you're getting an added layer of information from the author, whether you realize it or not. And that's something that I think worked really well with Ghost Forest because there's so much emotion and depth to the book. I'm so glad you shared that because I was thinking a lot about the emotional tone of the narration and I wanted there to be lots of space for the listener to bring their own emotions and interpretations. So I didn't want to read it in a way that felt very emotional or really guiding the listener towards specific emotions, but I didn't want it to be completely flat the whole time either. So it was definitely something that I tried to work on with the director, like which parts you get glimpses of emotion and which parts are read in a way that feels more held back and, and allows the reader to draw their own connections. I think you definitely succeeded in that. And also one of the incredibly important things about, um, uh, an audiobook like this is that there is a, a lot of Chinese language in the book, and it's really important that you have a narrator who can say that correctly. And especially when you talk about, uh, you know, dialects and accents, and you get into all of that, I think that was also a great benefit because the book already sounds very poetic in its prose. And I felt like you had that natural flow that's incredibly important to narration when switching between languages, which can often trip a narrator up if they're not careful. And um, it just added to the whole experience. So I can't wait till you write another book so that you can read it and then I'll just listen to it again. It'll be, it'll be great. Oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I actually had sent a bunch of WhatsApp messages to my mom before I went into the studio just to confirm how certain Cantonese proverbs are pronounced. And even though my my mother tongue is Cantonese, there's still a lot of times when I accidentally pronounce a character in the wrong tone or I, I mix up words that sound a little similar all the time. So I made my mom send me all these voice recordings over WhatsApp of all the all the Chinese characters in the book. Well, I'm glad that it all worked out. And 
I mean, I feel like that would be really cool for your mom, though, also to be kind of part of this project, which really works for the novel, which is about this collaborative storytelling between women in particular. Mm, Yeah. Well, I feel like I could talk about your book with you for ages, um, but I know you have a lot of things to prep for as your book is coming out next week. Um, But I wanted to ask you a couple closer questions uh, to kind of round out the interview, if that sounds good to you. Yeah, that sounds great. So the first one is, now that I know that you are a visual artist, which I didn't know coming in, I think that is very exciting. Uh, What was the process like finding a cover for your book as someone who has studied art and I imagine has, you know, a lot of visual art, you know, began this kind of process for you. What was that experience like? Wow, it was an amazing experience. Because of my background in visual art, I had specific qualities that I wanted, but I also didn't want to try to do it myself or anything because I'm not the designer. So I actually put together this nine-page keynote presentation where I (laughs) (laughs) put like adjectives and and, an example reference images and I shared that I would either want to see an abstract painting direction or this kind of surrealist collage direction and I also shared some images of like you know what I, I didn't want to see and I totally contradicted myself because I put down six covers that I love and all of them, I think, had a woman on the cover. And then on the next page I wrote, I don't want any people (laughs) on the cover. (laughs) So I am so grateful to the designer, Donna Chang, because she somehow absorbed my nine page document and she came back with this cover that is on the final book almost exactly as it is now we only changed one small element but I just felt so grateful that she somehow intuitively interpreted that I wanted a woman on the cover I just didn't want a face or a body and I love that she chose this brilliant chartreuse cover for the background because I really didn't want a cover that felt like really somber and and sad so I think that like really captured the the lightness that I wanted people to see when they see the book yeah it it was it was it felt like a magical telepathic kind (laughs) of process to see this cover and it captures the emotional quality of the book, but also that fragmented structure is mirrored in the cover because it has so many different elements that come together on the cover. And I know very little about design, I must confess, but I I love book structure and seeing that mirrored on a cover just makes me very happy because it's sort of like a nod, like, you know, a nod to the kind of book that it is, which is pretty great yeah I I just love that it has this dreamlike quality and 
it has the fragmentation, like you said, and it also, or Donna also chose these images that I felt had a lot of emotional resonance throughout the book. Um, so the last question I have for you um, is for book recommendations of books that you love, whether they are books that maybe inspired you to write your novel or maybe just the books that you've really enjoyed reading recently, um, whatever you want to share with our listeners. One of the books that inspired me when I first started writing my novel is A Feather on the Breath of God by Sigrid Nunez which is so beautiful. And the structure of that is also amazing. And it's written in four parts. The first part is the father. The second part is the mother. The third part is the narrator's experience studying ballet. And then the fourth part is her lover. I love that book so much. And... As for books that I recently read, um, I loved How to Pronounce Knife by Sudankam Tamavangsa. And I've also really enjoyed The Tenderness of Stones by Marianne Fayol. I'm not sure if you've seen that. It's a graphic novel and it also follows a family that's dealing with the illness of the father. And it has these kind of absur absurd, playful images, but it's also devastating at the same time. I haven't heard of it, but I'm definitely going to be adding it to my list. Uh, one of my favorite things about doing interviews is getting recommendations uh, and so I, I love hearing about those. I, and I've also heard great things of how to pronounce knife. Uh, a friend of mine, that is like one of his favorite books like ever. And I've actually bought it twice by accident because I bought it on two separate audiobook platforms. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I uh, will definitely have to bump it up my TBR now, especially since, you know, I apparently forgot I had it and bought it again. So here we are. <laughs> it's amazing. And I'm also, I just started reading Burnt Sugar by Avni Doshi as well. And that's, it's beautiful so far. Didn't, that just came to the U.S. this year, didn't it? Late last year? This year? Yes. Yes. I think it was published in the U.K. previously. Yeah. Cause I remember it, just came out it was here. on the Booker, what, long list? I think it, maybe it made it to the Booker shortlist, but she ha the narrator has this really sharp, incisive voice that I'm really enjoying. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Ghost Forest. I am so excited for your launch and for your book to make it out into the world. Well, thank you so much, Kendra, for having me. It's been such a wonderful experience talking to you, and I appreciate your insightful read of the book and yeah I, I'm thank you so much and that's our show 
I'd like to thank Pik Xuan Feng for talking with me about her debut novel, Ghost Forest, which is out now from One World Books. You can find her on her website, pikxuan.com, and on Twitter at pikxuan. Many thanks to our patrons whose support makes this podcast possible. This episode was produced and edited by me, Kendra Winchester. Our music is by Miki Saito with Isaac Green. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.